0: Welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast, made by Kiwi riders for Kiwi riders, and we're right in the middle of it. We're in the thick of it, ladies and gentlemen. It is Motorcycle Awareness Month, of which we are proud to bring you all the latest events and uh, tips and tricks on how to keep you and your bike safe on the roads and you know hopefully get get your home at the end of your ride and live to ride another day uh so we'll be catching up with uh some of our another one of our motorcycle awareness month ambassadors a little bit later in the podcast also we're going to be talking to uh birchie himself chris birch but a voice that we haven't heard on the podcast for quite a while joining us once again is Matthew Day Gillett. Hello. And it has
1: been too long, hasn't
0: it? It's been a day or two. Yes. I mean you've still been writing the news, which is great, <laughs> but it's great to, to have another voice on the podcast and, and just have a yarn and have someone to bounce off. I know. It's
1: nice to actually have someone to talk to that Talk back in complete coherent sentences,
0: uh, not just yell. I'll oh, give me a couple of beers and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll loosen up. <laughs> oh, no, I've just been doing the dad life stuff again. So, um, yeah,
1: that is always with family stuff, it takes priority. But um, no, I've managed to rejig the household setup so I no longer share a wall with um, tiny humans sleeping.
0: So I'm free Fantastic. to podcast again, which is brilliant. Yeah. Because I missed our weekly chats. Well, uh, so much has happened since we last had a chat with you. Oh yeah, but I want to. You, you, I mean, you probably listen to the podcast, so you probably know what's gone down. I want to hear about what's going on in your world. Rosie the Rally has she been out?
1: Yes, a um, couple of wee rides. Um, went out to um, my new favourite stomping ground, which um, Ben Wilkins, editor of Kiwi Rider Mag, um, took me to. Late Rotomar near Rotorua. Um Had a bit of a play around there. Um, also have a new chain and sprockets, which
0: has just arrived. Arrived yesterday. Um, and Because um, you were getting quite near the end of the adjustment on the chain there, weren't you?
1: Yeah, and it's got quite a, this factory one. It's still the factory one, so it's four years old, 17,000K old. And um, yeah, it was just getting a bit, well, it had a few, fair few stiff links that had been to the beach a couple of times, um, just getting a bit, wee bit flogged. And so long story short, I tried all the local distributors and I could get a chain in New Zealand. But for the life of me, I couldn't get sprockets unless I wanted to go down the custom-made route, which not a particular fan of when it comes to um, certain things that you want to make sure are going to fit first time every time. Um, so I ended up ordering them in from Australia. Um, but they're here, and um, I'm going to attempt, hopefully tomorrow, uh, my first ever chain and sprocket change solo. which. Um, now, I say it out loud, saying seems really pathetic for someone who's been riding as long as me, but... Um,
0: I was about to say, but it seems like the sort of thing that I would have expected you would have done before. I mean, I've done two, both on MTO7s. Yeah, well,
1: see, the thing is, like, my chains tended to last long. Like, I did, let's say, my first bike way back when, um, I think I did a chain and sprockets, but I got it done at the dealership. It was pretty early on in my career. Then that held on for ages. It was still on the bike when I um, traded it on my second bike. Second bike, I did do a chain of sprockets, but um, my mate Ben, who's an instructor at Passmasters nowadays, he basically did all the work and I watched. Um, So I don't really count that as doing a chain by myself, but I was there. I did use the breaker bar to get the lock nut off, but um, yeah,
0: didn't really do much. Um, Yeah, then yeah, There's a couple of wee tricks that I found out when you when you're doing it. Is um, the first trick that I found out that you you've just alluded alluded to now is when you're breaking the uh, the bead on. Or the you know breaking getting that nut off um, on the front is to put it in gear, put it put it on a side stand or a center stand, stand on the rear brake and put a massive breaker bar on it. So you kind of need two people. So you're locking up that rear wheel so you, the front sprocket's not turning, so you can loosen uh. it. That was one trick that I uh, that I came across uh, quite early in.
1: The- <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is I've had a look at the front sprocket on uh, the little rally and it's actually got two. I think they look about 10 mil nuts holding a um, sort of, I don't know what you call it, it's a over, it's like a washer, but it also holds the sprocket in place, so there's no massive nuts sitting on the counter shaft, which I quite like the idea of. So um, apparently they, though, if you over-talk them, they snap like butter, so... um, I'll oh, be staying away from the talk
0: wrench. There's something is there's something about that bike that you know doesn't like being overtalked, does it?
1: No, it doesn't like being overtalked at all. Um, <laughs> and, yeah the the sprocket's uh, the rest pocket's going to be interesting because one, the head on the bolts
0: are um, Allen heads. So that's also another thing that could potentially strip. But um, it's- That's actually, that's quite common. Go down to Repco and get yourself uh, the socket that goes with you, whatever socket set you've got. I've got a half-inch drive socket set. Get the socket that has the uh, the hex Allen bolt kind of thing in it. Uh, that way you can, you'll keep it in your toolkit forever and you can use it uh, on a proper torque reach. Yeah, Nice. Yeah, I've got, um, I do have that in my Barco set, which I
1: had bought years ago. Best talk set I've ever paid nearly $300 for. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, no, it'll be interesting. Um, that's going to be an adventure. And hopefully if the weather turns right, because it's still holidays right now, the missus is off work. Um, I'm hoping to do a midweek um, camping trip somewhere interesting, but
0: um, obviously don't really like the idea of doing that if it's pouring with rain. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. It must be tropical up there in the uh, the Mid North Island because it's not camping weather down here. I tell you that much. <laughs> hey, um, very shortly, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking to another one of our uh, Motorcycle Awareness Month ambassadors. We're also going to catch up with uh, Say No to Slow himself, Birchy Chris Birch, uh, and find out what's happening in his neck of the woods but right now Matt it's been a while I don't remember if you remember how to do this it's time to do the news. Oh it's great to have a co-host kicking things off in the news Matt uh, we've got a new Suzuki they're getting serious about touring yes
1: so suzuki has announced a new sports touring model um new in sort of uh, interesting terms because it's an evolved version of a bike we have had since 2015 it's the gsx s thousand gt um, it definitely looks like a modern japanese um, sports tourer. that's for sure all angles led lights running lights luggage um, i think it looks the bee's knees uh, main headline items thousand cc um, GSX-R-derived four-banger engine. Um, this bike is sort of the touring twin to um, the GSX-S1000 that was released a few months ago. Um, so it's been fully reworked. Um, and I think it's um, quite an interesting bike, really. Interestingly, it's a typical Suzuki in a few ways, um, sort of suzuki haven't gone the full hog in terms of electronics. Yes it does have all of the electronic aids that we expect in a modern sports bike or a modern sports tourer but it isn't all controlled by an inertial measurement unit, an IMU. It's sort of more basic uh, wheel speed sensors, ABS sensors, um, that sort of thing. um, So it's got everything there but it's not cutting cutting edge so that will work in with Suzuki because they like to keep things more affordable while also giving you the best bang for your buck which
0: I think was going to do um,
1: quite the trick for them. Uh, It looks a bit like a Ninja 1000 SX to me. Yeah looking uh, at the photos
0: I couldn't quite work out if it was a Yamaha or a Ninja or um, what was the other thing I thought it could have been? Maybe a Honda but it's it's, um, in dark kind of um, dark blue uh, in the photos on uh, your website as well. For more photos and full information, full the full story on that, go to onthrottle.co.nz.
1: Yeah, so um, main thing is it's arriving early next year, and we don't know how much it's
0: going to cost. But um, yeah, it should be competitively priced, being Suzuki. BMW Motorrad have announced a recall on certain official accessory pegs after finding potential for stress corrosion cracks to form on the studs on certain milled footrests from the accessory selection of the GS models. I'm not gonna dive into all the uh, the model codes and everything on this, but um, if you have a reasonably recent model BMW, then go to onthrottle.co.nz, click on news, and go down to the BMW recall story. Uh, because you'd hate to be riding down a gravel road and your pegs to snap off. That would just be disastrous.
1: Yeah, it would kind of ruin your day, wouldn't
0: it? Uh, now, this appears to be um, affecting the F750GS, uh, the R1250GS, and the R1200GS. BMW says that in cases where an exchange cannot be offered to a customer, the company is offering the removal uh, of the retrofit conversion to standard equipment and reimbursement of the purchase price in form of a coupon.
1: That'd be pretty cool if you have them and they can't uh, swap them out for something better. You could, um, what, the pegs, pegs aren't cheap. They're about a couple of hundred dollars. You could buy quite a few lattes
0: with that. With the... Uh, <laughs> at the shop. For a full list of BMW Motorrad authorised dealers, go to onthrottle.co.nz and check out that story. And running off our news today, the Kawasaki Z650 RS has been confirmed for New Zealand, Matt.
1: Yeah, this is quite a cracking looking little bike, I think. Um, so this, if the name sounds familiar, because 2017 2018, Kawasaki released the four-cylinder Z900 RS, which was sort of Designed to take the styling looks of Kawasaki's original sort of superbikes, those Z1s, and sort of bring new life to it, make it a modern classic. Four years on now, and we have the Z650 RS which brings that same sort of style, it's sort of classic, early late 70s style, really cracking styling to be honest, but it brings it to the Lunar Approved 650 engine. So New Zealand's only gonna get the Lunar Approved model at this stage, which uh, will have the same power output as your regular Z650. Styling upgrades include these Really wicked cast alloy wheels, which um, resemble spoked wheels. Some great color schemes. Got your bullet style gauges, so you don't have that very digitized looking cluster from the modern Z series.
0: Looks to be LEDs all around as well.
1: Yes, LED lighting. Um, I think it's a cracking looking bike. Um, I definitely wouldn't mind seeing that parked in the garage if I was in the market. So yeah, 12 litre fuel tank, dual gauges, sitting atop the classic circular LED headlight. Comes with decent tires, Dunlop Max. Road Sport 2s, and it weighs in at a manageable 186 kilograms, while the seat height is only 800 millimeters from the ground. Pricing going to be announced close to the date of arrival, and that isn't that far away. These flights are expected in the country next month in November. So, yeah. Looking forward to that.
0: But we're expecting it what?
1: Less than fifteen grand, right? Yes, definitely. Um yes so Kawasaki said they're gonna be less than fifteen grand and the bike's gonna go up against the likes of Yamaha's XSR seven hundred lambs but interestingly, I'm pretty sure the XSR700 also comes in full power, so that might be a reason for Kawasaki to also bring in the full power version of the Z650RS. Either way, it's a cracking looking bike. It's gonna definitely look cool when it rolls up to you next at the traffic the lights. The
0: photo specs and the full story on this and everything we've mentioned in the news today on this podcast, head to onthrottle.co.nz that rounds up the news. It is Motorcycle Awareness Month. Hello, welcome to another chat with one of our fantastic ambassadors. Of course, uh, Motorcycle Awareness Month's been postponed one month, usually September, to kind of coincide with the first month of spring. This year, October, due to the COVID situation. uh, And it is the month where ACC sees a spike in motorcycle-related crashes. So what can we do to combat that? We can work on our skills, work on our gear, make sure our bikes are up to scratch. And let's talk now with one of our Motorcycle Awareness Month ambassadors. It is Avalon Biddle, fastest racer in New Zealand, or at least one of the fastest racers in New Zealand. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Great. Hey, thanks very much for taking the time to have a chat. First question I've got for you is um, if we've if we've been off the bike for a bit, uh, similar to you with an off season. How long does it take you to get back into the flow of things? Do you just dive in and, and hope that everything's kind of holding together uh, from from being you know from being off the bike for so long, or what's the story?
2: Uh, I wish it, it took a lot less time to get back up to speed, but um, myself in particular, I'm probably quite cautious um, getting back on the bike after a while which I think is a good thing and I know all racers experience the same thing as me where you sort of, you expect to just um, take off from where you left off kind of thing and you head out to the track and same bike, same tyres, same everything as where you finished your race season and um, you kind of feel like a beginner (laughs) and you're sort of a bit wobbly and uh, things aren't as easy as you remember them to be and I know that myself and all um, my fellow racer friends experience the same thing where those first couple laps are sort of like, whoa how do you do this so um, I think it's totally normal to experience that um, I guess hesitation or things not going smooth your first ride back after a while which um, most of us do during winter you know we definitely don't do as much riding uh, for a lot of us so yeah it's totally normal to have to take your time to get back up to speed and um, for me it's a few race meetings um I had my first race meeting meeting, meeting back since April uh, a couple of weeks ago and, yeah, I was probably two to three seconds a lap off uh, what I would do at that same track at, at the New Zealand Championships. And um, then I have another race meeting coming up next weekend and I'll expect that I, I still won't be up to pace um, for that. So you just have to do it, though. You have to um, take those small steps to um, get back into the swing of things.
0: Is there anything else you yourself do in the off-season um... You know, to, to kind of keep your eye in. I mean, do you do any road racing or road riding, or do you do any ride forever courses, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, in the past, I've ridden dirt bikes a lot, um, which I find really useful, especially for racing, because they're great for fitness, um, but also really helpful with bike control and that sort of thing. Um, this year, I did it. I haven't done so much motocross, mostly because of the weather down here in the South Island. Um, a lot of the tracks are on the riverbeds, and uh, we've had a lot of flooding, so. Um, yeah, we just haven't really had great conditions for riding and I've actually done a lot on, on a cycle, uh, so both road cycling and mountain biking. And I am surprised how much um, of the skills translate, like even out there on the mountain bike, I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, about looking ahead and widening that field of vision and um, all those skills that you learn both on track and through doing things like Ride Forever courses. Um, and it's amazing how they translate into other things so there's definitely ways of practicing throughout winter but I think the best thing is is enrolling in a ride forever course or um, some coaching or going for a ride with some experienced like really high quality riders or friends um to just get back into into things because um yeah it's just not the same as being out there on the road in the heat and uh yeah and mean the throttle i guess
0: have you got any tips or, or maybe what uh, what do you do when your bike's been in storage for a few months um what are the sorts of things you look at before you get back out on the bike um after it's been away for a bit
2: yeah i've, I've literally just been through this uh, with the race meeting a couple of weeks ago um just saying i'm not a mechanic um i definitely had help people help me uh, prepare my bikes um and people who I trust so I uh, had my bike sitting there I'd crashed it in April uh, the last round of the New Zealand Championship the last race of the season crashed out and literally hadn't touched it um so yeah I rung up my friend who is a mechanic and uh, he came over and helped me prepare the bike so um so firstly because it had been crashed we obviously stripped it down a lot more than you would but even just the basics like an oil change lubing the chain just a general bolt check um, we went to the extreme of draining all the fuel out and uh, putting fresh fuel in it um, and yeah just checking the basics like even the throttle to return we found the throttle was a bit sticky which could have been the result of the crash or it could have just been through lack of maintenance um, throughout the season when, when you get busy racing and I have two bikes so things can get a bit messy so um, just checking all those basics like oh and we did a full brake service as well um, that you don't really have time for in the middle of summer when you're riding all the time Um, doing things like that, getting the brakes serviced, um, even servicing your suspension uh, is something that I'm getting done at the moment. So a general bulk check and a general um, service is a great thing, but also um, it's probably a good time to service those parts that you don't do so often.
0: I suppose if it's a road bike, a good idea would be just to put it in for a waff check, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. They're going to pick up anything there that's um, not quite right.
0: Um, And you mentioned that you had an off. Um, When you have an off or just at the start of the season, what kind of things do you look at as far as helmets and gear and boots and all that sort of thing goes?
2: Yeah, I think when you have good quality gear to begin with, um, you kind of expect that it's going to survive a crash. Um, That's for me anyway, I... I really do invest in high quality gear um, because crashing is unfortunately kind of part of going racing. Um, so yeah, as much as I expect that it's going to withstand sliding down the road, uh, just just check it for some general holes and that sort of thing. Um, boots are really important. I find that you kind often like don't realise how worn out your boots are, um, especially on the soles. I and mean, when you know, even on the road, you put so much pressure through your feet, and it's what you kind of use to really grip onto the bike. And when the soles of your boot wears out where you have the ball of your foot on the foot peg, um, it's actually really slippery. And then when you go for a ride in the wet or something, like, wow, you it really catches you out how slippery and how much you rely on that grip um, on those foot pegs. So, yeah, I've got a new set of boots there that I'll be putting on for this season. I'll definitely use them on the road to bed them in before hitting the racetrack. So... Um, Yeah, that's just the basics. And then obviously checking your helmet. Um, You can see behind me a whole heap of old helmets. And um, even I forget sometimes that you shouldn't be wearing an old helmet and it's so tempting to just whip an old one off the shelf and chuck it on. But um, we do know that they they lose that safety standard over time. So even just checking something like the date on your helmet is um, probably a good thing to do.
0: And if you have a knock or any kind of damage to your helmet, um, do you, you personally, do you replace it or?
2: Yeah, I we um definitely replace them. I, I think that's that's just the general consensus nowadays that uh, helmets are compromised once they've had a knock, even they could be dropped on the floor. Um, so yeah, absolutely the, the shelf behind me is all donations to to the helmet shelf. Um, that have yeah, unfortunately been down the road. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would change my helmet after any time it's hit the deck.
0: Outstanding. Evelyn Biddle, one of the fastest racers in New Zealand. Thank you very much for your time and have a chat today. And thank you very much for uh, agreeing to be a a, uh, Motorcycle Awareness Month ambassador.
2: Thanks. It's an absolute pleasure. eh? I'm looking forward to hitting the roads on a more regular basis.
0: RideForever.co.nz website. Jump in there, find out all you need to know about uh, signing up for a Ride Forever course. If you yourself aren't a motorcyclist, highly recommend. uh, Christmas is just around the corner. Dirty probably, dirty word for me to say uh, at the moment, but uh, get somebody a Ride Forever course for Christmas. And trying to catch up with Birchy himself, Chris Birch, all the way from Coromandel. And I feel really bad because we've kicked your family out of the lounge so we can do a, a Zoom call.
3: Yeah, yeah. If I wasn't such a nappy on the computer, <laughs> I might be able to figure it out. But uh, that's not an option I have for you today.
0: You've got a new video series out, uh, which we, I want to dive into very, very shortly. But we're right in the middle of Motorcycle Awareness Month. And my first question for you is uh, the scenario is that probably a lot of our listeners would have had their bikes in the garage for the last few months over winter uh, they'll be getting them out for the first time coming out of you know level lockdowns and, and the weather weather's getting warmer and spring and all that kind of jazz what what kind of things would you be looking at uh, in that situation if the bike's been in in storage for for a while what, what sort of things can we can we do to make sure our bikes are good to go well
3: there's all the obvious stuff you know like tyre pressures and you know all that, that basic stuff, I think that's relatively obvious. So For me, I would be thinking more about uh, the rider technique side sort of thing, the mental side of the approach to it. And what I would recommend guys do is, uh, and we talk about this a lot with the, the training in the schools and stuff, is to actually approach motorcycling as a sport, which it is. But if you hadn't played rugby for a few months, you wouldn't just show up to a match and just hope for the best. You'd go to a bit of training and a bit of practice first. You'd maybe go out and kick the ball around and have a bit of a jog and sort of ease into it a bit more. And I think that would be the, the logical approach to take to uh, to the scenario you're talking about. Going out, local, easy, gentle ride, getting the feel for the bike again, getting your brain up to speed, and focusing on the on those core base techniques and and mental approach would, it would be just as important as I think is the mechanical side of things, if not more so.
0: Brilliant. So, would
1: there be a couple of drills or something you should, you'd sort of recommend people undertake? Sort of.
3: I think for, for me, it's it's always just a key focus on the basics. And you know, the, the more and more coaching that I do, the more I realise that we just keep coming back to the basics all the time. You know, uh, vision, line selection, position on the bike. You know, not really stressing too much about the big key details, just the the real overall basic. Yeah, the
0: basics. Speaking of basics, um, you last year released a video series to uh, to help bring your coaching to people who you may not be able to go visit in person uh, and it had more of an adventure bike focus I believe you've just released a new series that's more for the dirt bike guys
3: yeah so the uh, the adventure bike series like the coaching series online series has I been mean, something that's been asked for for people for years and oh yeah one day one day one day and eventually got around to it, and I was absolutely blown away by the success of and the and the, uh, the response that we got to it. It actually really, really caught me <laughs> out. Um, so we decided that off, off the back of that, we'd be mad if we didn't do a dirt bike version of it as well. And uh, we put a lot of effort into the dirt bike one. Um, we weren't really sure what the response was going to be with the adventure one. Uh, we are blown away. It was like exponentially more successful than we thought it would be. So I thought we really took our time with the dirt bike one, um, When we filmed the adventure series, we averaged about two episodes a day of filming. And when we did the dirt bike one, we averaged uh, two days of filming per episode. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a long process. It took us over a year to, to get it done, but uh, it's going, ticking along quite well. We're getting amazing feedback. That, that's the best part of it. Like The, the response we get back is really, really positive. And obviously, at the moment, there's a, a lot more people around the world that I can't reach. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, not quite doing the traveling that we used to do.
0: Now, the series itself is ridiculously cheap. I don't know how you, um, you know, pay for your time. Uh, it's $50 for the series, uh, and you can get that from uh, your website. Website, yeah, yeah, so
3: it's $50 US, so that, that makes a bit more over here. Uh, we you know, global global market, not everyone knows what a New Zealand dollar is. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty good value for money, but uh, yeah, I, I guess ultimately with this sort of stuff from a business point of view, you know, we're competing against YouTube, so there is a ton of information out there for free. Um, I don't think most people have gone to the effort, you know, for a free video that we would for, that we've gone to for our, for our paid version, and I think people appreciate that uh the difference there but uh yeah we wanted to make it uh, accessible to everyone and
0: 50 bucks us uh how many how many episodes and what what do you cover i mean we are we stuck starting, starting grassroots or uh do we need a bit of basic grounding there first?
3: I guess the, the target rider, I mean, it's not like this is the clutch, this is the brake sort of thing. Where I guess the target rider is someone that's already relatively experienced, you know, can able, able to go and do a basic trail ride, that sort of stuff. But wants to take their riding to the next level, be it, you know, more control, more safety, more speed, whatever it is that they're chasing. And you know, for the personal, for the one-on-one coaching, like I'm, I'm yet to teach someone that doesn't need to work on their basic body positioning on the bike. Um, so even though we call it basics, you could, I think, a better word would be fundamentals. So we, we start like off, that. yeah, we start off with like uh, our basic bike setup, uh, tuning the bike into different conditions, suspension setup, all the way through to you know body positioning, all the way through to some you know, introductory sort of hardened Euro techniques, big log crossings, log, log, uh, rocks, that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's 18 episodes and four hours long. So there's a fair bit there.
1: <laughs> Do you see any crossover um, in terms of um, the adventure market and the dirt market sort of, would adventure bike guys take any um, goodness from watching the dirt series as well?
3: Yeah, it's a, the whole adventure thing is really tricky because uh, you know, it's Country to country, person to person, what adventure bike riding is uh, varies drastically. You know, uh, someone that does a little bit of gravel road, but mainly road, they've basically got road tyres on a big 1200 with all the panniers and all the boxes, they're an adventure rider. Just like someone that's got a number plate and some rattly indicators on the back of their 450 KTM enduro bike, you know, they're an adventure rider as well.
0: Tell you what, I've had some adventures on a GN125. woo
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to be honest, I mean, that's not really what the adventure guy is supposed to say. But I've probably had some of my best adventures on my little two-stroke enduro bikes. You know, they're the days that I I thought I was not going to come back. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, uh, there's obviously a, a fair bit of crossover between the two series because ultimately it's riding motorcycles off-road. Um, but there, there are some key differences there as well, obviously between the bike sizes. Yeah, which we're, we're finding a lot of. Sorry.
1: Oh no, I was just going to say. um, Would you recommend guys with, say, um, oh, in America they call them dual sports. So the plated EXCs, the your yeah, DRZ four hundreds, um, CRF two fifty Ls, etc. They, but they get a decent kick for their money, um, because the bikes are fundamentally based on an actual hardcore
3: dirt bike. But they get yeah, you basically ride them like a hardcore dirt bike. The techniques don't don't vary at all. There, so a hundred percent. And there's a lot of those sort of guys that we were trying to focus. I I guess for the adventure series, I mean I'm I'm, like, I'm riding my 1090 the whole time, or most of the time during the uh adventure series and i'm riding my 300 two-stroke the whole time during the dirt bike series so that should probably (laughs) split it up for guys as much as anything else yeah
0: nice there's a topic that we're going to be diving into in the podcast in a couple of weeks and this is a spoiler alert for our listeners um (laughs) we're going to be trying to uh kind of distill down some of the titles that are used in the motorcycle word you know you've, you've just kind of touched on it before with adventure versus uh well yeah adventure what is the you know the 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 meaning of the term how would you define an adventure bike
3: for me um, and <laughs> this is nothing more than my opinion uh for
0: me an adventure bike yeah that's all we want is yeah, opinions, yeah.
3: for me an adventure bike needs to be twin cylinder having said that i've got a 450 cc v twin Aprilia enduro bike in my garage that ruins that story but uh yeah in my mind it's a twin cylinder bike it's an adventure bike um and then we don't really use the term dual sport that much in in New Zealand, but it, I think it fits really well around those, you know, DR650, DR400s. Now, what we used to call trail bikes, right, before trail bikes became motocross bikes with headlights. Well, to throw a spanner in the <laughs>
1: works, how would you describe a bike which has a fairing, single cylinder like a Kawasaki KLR? Is that an adventure bike? Is that a dual sport
3: in your mind? I thought I had a good answer. you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough, that's eh? the problem, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's as much the rider's perception as it is the motorcycle, right? Like that's It's probably in the actual rider's mind more than the, the, the motorbike. You know, I, I would call a, a CRF 250L a trail bike all day long. They're all over Someone every else adventure might call it a I do you know, go to. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they were designed as like a, you know, a, emerging market commuter bike. Yeah. (laughs) You you go to somewhere like Brazil and that's what people in the back countries are using to get to work on, transport their goods around them. Yeah. You see where Honda sells bikes. stand. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you see where Honda sells bikes when you go to those sort of countries. Like, oh, that's why you guys are in this game.
0: <laughs> we, we've, we've had another bout of lockdowns across the country, which kind of explains why we're doing a lot of stuff via Zoom. And I think none of us really knew what Zoom was a year or two ago. And now we're, you know, everything's happening via Zoom. Um, you yourself, you probably haven't been out of, well, you haven't been able to leave the country um, to do your, your training or anything like that. So how do people uh, keep in touch with you and, and follow you on social media? media and that sort of thing what are your pipes uh,
3: yeah so we're pretty active on uh on both both facebook and uh and instagram they're my main, oh and the youtube stuff keeps sort of growing and growing i don't put the effort into that that i should do but uh yeah pretty easy to find on all, all the all the social media platforms so it's uh Birch E-N-Z on Instagram, uh, Chris Birch Offroad Coach on Facebook.
0: And if people want to um, talk to you about uh, maybe getting you to come to the neck of the woods around the country to do a bit of training, is that something you, uh, on a case-by-case, you have that conversation or what's the story there? Yeah,
3: absolutely. That, that's what we do for a business. Um, so we're, at, at the moment, really right. sort of focusing on that private group sort of stuff, uh, it's going really well. Um Uh, yeah just get in touch uh, onto our website it's the easiest uh, chrisbirch.co.nz it'll take you through to uh, talk to my vastly more organized wife and she'll actually make a date that works and yeah we've got a trip coming up uh, down to South Island uh, very soon so we will be Christchurch, Queenstown, Dunedin that sort of area pretty much as long as COVID's around seems uh, I'll be in New Zealand and as soon as they open up the airports, I'll be out of here. So we've got to
1: catch you while we can. Is
3: that the <laughs> yeah, the, the work is queuing up overseas? It, it, no, I, I don't want to start ranting. It'll yeah, it's getting tricky. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, you um, yeah.
1: posted on your Facebook today. Um, rather a get-to-know-me sort of uh, couple of things. And I highlighted one because Ray and I sort of um, sort of feel quite similar. And um, you said that you sing to yourself a lot while writing. Um, so Ray and I have been caught ourselves out while connected up with the comms and that singing and the wiggles. So what do you sing to yourself?
3: And, uh, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <embarrassing>. <laughs> Honestly,
2: have I, have I've, we been,
3: I've been... You'll be riding along and a song will pop and you're like, really? That one? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And to us this comes back to... Uh, uh, like to Ripple Romaniacs Day. So I'm, I'm not sure if you guys know of that race. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's a big, crazy, hardened Euro race in Romania. And you're basically by yourself inside your own head all day, every day for four days. Uh, with no one to talk to but yourself. So I so, was uh, working with a sports psychologist years ago and I said, you've only got yourself to talk to. That person better be a nice person. <laughs> so in these long races, it's it's really easy to kind of start like mentally beating yourself down. But, like, you know, you don't get up a hill first time and, oh, you dick, like you're someone, you would have, nah! and, and you just start getting on this big downward spiral. So whenever I found myself doing something like that, I just make myself start singing. I just, whenever song popped into my head to try and be nice to myself, because I'm the only person to talk to for four, you know, for four days. And that's just sort of ends up becoming a, a real habit through the racing. And if I, if I, anytime I'm struggling on the bike, I just force myself to start singing. So it's not so much, uh, I'm just in the moment, relaxed sort of thing. It's, it's a real mental, like, okay, this is not working, do it, make it happen.
1: So say it's a really muddy, rainy day, you're doing the next New Zealand Adventure Rally with KTM. Uh, some guys likely to sort of be struggling up a hill and then hear you come singing up past them, literally singing whatever's uh, in your head?
3: There's a reason I don't run GoPros very much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Chris, we started off this podcast um, with a with a question relating to um, motorcyclists who you know, haven't been out on their bikes for very long. We don't want to keep you too much longer, but one more question I do have for you. Is there one... Most common piece of bad advice that you see people giving people when it comes to adventure riding.
3: Um, I guess the point of the one that sticks in my mind at the moment, the current one, would be always stand up on the gravel. And it's pretty comical at times. You'll see guys like riding down a dead straight tar road, and the road will turn into you know really well formed, smooth, straight gravel road. You could do 140 down at a Toyota Corolla sort of thing, and everyone stands up. Very, very minimal benefit and you're just burning through energy, wearing yourself out so that you've got no energy for the sections where you absolutely should be standing up. So that, that's probably a, a bit of advice that uh, we we fight against the, at the schools the most and really trying to, the way I approach it is that there's situations where you're definitely better sitting down, there, the situations where you're definitely better standing up. Let's put the equal amount of effort into both riding styles and let the terrain determine the technique. So I think uh, a lot of guys have this like picture in their head of what adventure riding is and it's, standing up bolt upright going down some backcountry road and yeah that would be my answer
0: Chris Birch say no to slow new video series for the dirt bike guys that will definitely help you if you're an adventure rider as well online now chrisbirch.co.nz hey thank you very much for your time thank you to your family for uh, vacating the room for us and we look forward to talking to you and seeing you in this neck of the woods um, very soon my new pleasure thanks for your time Well, that about wraps up the podcast. It's been great having Matt on the show this week. Matt, um, let's see if we can make this a little bit more regular. Yes, let's do that. Um,
1: Yeah, as I keep saying, I miss doing this every week. Um, Just, yeah, family stuff got in the way. But um, now I've sorted out my stuff on my end. Definitely keen. And there's a whole lot of motorcycle news coming up as well that we need to be on top of as well. Um, So it's exciting times. So I guess I'll,
0: um, I'll catch you in a week or so. Yeah. Thanks very much, Chris Birch, for joining us as well. If you want to know more about his um, his adventure video series, his training series, or his dirt bike one, go to chrisbirch.co.nz. Uh, all the news and all the full stories on pretty much everything we talk about on the podcast is on Matt's website as well. Matt, your website is?
1: On throttle.co.nz.
0: Go to kiwirider.co.nz and check out the latest magazine as well. That magazine, um, you know, Matt has got a bit of input in the news and the that. that sort of thing but they uh ben quite often pulls uh stories out of nowhere from people that i've vaguely heard of and it's um always an interesting read it's also completely free yeah
1: that's the stuff i actually go to read first
0: yeah exactly
1: free and um fascinating stuff like yes i've had input in writing the news and stuff but i'll go and ride the stuff written by people i've never heard of because that's the stuff i want to Read it's the sort of thing that sets Kiwi Rider apart. It's got a lot of input by actual
0: Kiwi riders, ride reports, uh, event reports, uh, historic bike reconditions, uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, so you don't know what you don't know. Oh, inside, inside story from Kiwis all over the world repping the New Zealand flag as far as motorcycle competition go. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: I saw something in there recently about Rachel Archer doing the GNCC overseas. Um, yeah, she was a local girl for me in Cambridge. She used to live at the school that I used to live at. So, um, nah, it's awesome seeing what goes into the magazine each uh, every two
0: weeks. Mm. So there you go, kiwirider.co.nz. Uh, also, my website, which is kind of new, um, motonz.com. Uh, there's uh, a bit of stuff that um, is kind of about what I do if you, if you like the T7 then you'll be in heaven <laughs> if you like other bikes then we don't really cater for that at the moment but that's that's another story <laughs> um, you can email us podcast at kiwirider.co.nz hit that like button hit that subscribe button share this podcast with a riding buddy of yours we'd love you for that also the Podcast, New Zealand Podcast Awards are happening right now we are being judged and I think next week the People's Choice opens up for nominations and voting so uh, we keep an eye on our social media we're on Facebook and Instagram as well as TikTok occasionally as well um, we'll post up on our Facebook page when the New Zealand Podcast Awards are open for the People's Choice and if you'd like to nominate us uh, we'd highly recommend and encourage you to do so uh, and we'd love you for that uh, that's about us, man.
1: Yeah, I think it's time to make a cup of tea and uh, go do something else, I guess.
0: Let's finish with a dad joke. Ooh, oh,
1: ah, forgot about our dad joke tradition. It's been that long.
0: So uh, you remember Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? He was also in that awesome movie with the aliens, uh, Independence Day? Yes. Uh, if he was lost in the snow, how would you follow him? I don't know. You'd look for the Fresh Prince. <laughs> Get the rubber side down throttle on and we'll catch you in seven days time.